This is Crane's Daily Gist. I'm Amy Guth. On this episode, Mayor Lightfoot says that despite widespread unrest, the city will still reopen under Phase 3 tomorrow. That comes on the heels of her pledge yesterday to help the entire city, not just the Loop, rebuild after incurring damages during the widespread civil actions. We'll talk about that and more coming up on the podcast today. But first, this word from our sponsor. Your health and well-being are top of mind right now, and that includes your financial security. Wintrust Mortgage can help. They provide refinance solutions so you can take advantage of low rates to reduce payments. And they have the sophisticated technology to let you go through the process conveniently from home. Uncertainty can add stress to an already tense time. Rely on Wintrust Mortgage. Visit wintrustmortgage.com slash refi. Wintrust Mortgage is a division of Barrington Bank and Trust Company, N.A., and MLS number 449042, equal housing lender. Businesses looking for help in navigating the COVID-19 crisis should check out Small Business Lifeline, a new weekly podcast from Cranes. Every Thursday, the free Small Business Lifeline will offer expert advice and information on accessing needed resources during the crisis. Listen to Small Business Lifeline at chicagobusiness.com slash SBL. Well, to say the least, there's a lot going on in cities around the country right now, and certainly Chicago is no exception to that. Earlier today, I spoke with Crane's government reporter, A.D. Quigg, about the latest here locally and how local leaders are reacting. Here's our conversation. Okay, so we have the city that is set to reopen into phase three of the reopening plan starting tomorrow. We have ongoing civil unrest that Lightfoot expressed fear of being a like a COVID super spreader event. Access to downtown is blocked. We have stores that I have personally seen as recently as last night and today still being completely boarded up. So I think the big question is, how does Lightfoot propose to move forward with reopening given everything that's going on right now in the city? Right, this was the big question kind of, I mean, the timing of all of this at once is insane to begin with, but thinking about going through these massive protests right before, right in the middle of the pandemic and right before the city was scheduled to kind of very cautiously reopen, super low capacity at businesses, hoping for staggered folks to start coming into work or maybe continue teleworking for as long as possible. And meanwhile, businesses across the city, not just in the loop, are still cleaning up broken glass, still have empty shelves without inventory, are still scared about what each what each night will look like and whether any violent aspect post-peaceful protest will spring up again. Um, we still have National Guard troops stationed around the loop. The bridges to downtown, except for LaSalle, are still up. I know we still have massive CTA delays, but we're going to do it. Um, the mayor said in her uh, her travels around the city following protests this weekend, she asked business leaders, chambers of commerce over and over again, should we reopen? And they said, yes, we've been waiting for this for 10 weeks, and it's time for us to show that we are more resilient than ever. And beyond that, to start making a little bit of money again, we need to be able to survive. We need to bring back our workers. Um, she said not only are workers ready to come back, but businesses are too, and people are eager to shop and support their local businesses. And do you get the sense that that's going to go to plan, that people are ready to get out of their house and go shop and and do all of those things as if, as just kind of picking up with whatever they had in mind maybe two weeks ago? No, I don't think it'll be anything like what folks were expecting. I mean, think about a week ago, the kind of social media traffic you saw with people being like, I can't wait to get back out on a patio. I can't wait to go sit down at a restaurant again. I can't wait to go get a cup of coffee and hang out um, outside in this beautiful summer weather. We're not thinking about that at this point. And what the mayor said today was, we're going to do what we can to support 
grocery stores and pharmacies, first and foremost. Uh, we saw Walmarts, some uh, CVS, some Walgreens uh, broken into and looted. She said, we're going to try to get Chicago police officers back standing in front of those to make sure that it doesn't occur again. But that creates such a, a tense situation for shoppers who, when seeing cops, they're going to be reminded how tenuous all of this feels all the time. So instead of this being kind of a cautious celebration, it's going to continue to be tense, not only for police presence, but also we need to remember COVID is still out there. The city is reminding folks, you've got to wear a mask when you're outside. You need to stand six feet away from people, if at all possible. You should still be washing your hands. You should still stay home if you're sick. It just, there's kind of a lingering threat in the air. It's going to be very different than what we expected only a week ago. And we still aren't seeing full opening of everything, right? The city is not opening its own libraries. It's not reopening parks until June 8th either. We're going to see how many businesses choose to reopen, how many feel safe reopening, or how many kind of keep those boards up. And we have aldermen criticizing how we're moving forward and how the city is prioritizing where it puts its police. Uh, The Black Caucus today said basically that its calls for protection on the south and west sides were ignored and that the city was utilizing too many cops and National Guard troops to protect downtown and that a lot of protesters who were a lot of folks that wanted to engage in violence were being pushed out to the neighborhoods. And we saw looting along commercial corridors all the way down to the hundreds. We're still hearing about what's happening in Pilsen and Little Village, that some local gangs are uh, seeking to kind of impose their own order. It's it's just a, a very tenuous time to try this again from a public safety perspective, but also a public health perspective. There's just, there's a lot up in the air. Yeah. And I want to, I want to dig into that part right there a little bit more because the act of closing the loop, it drew a lot of social media criticism. Even in the moment there was down to, Hey, the curfew is at this time. And how do you expect us to get out of here? You could see protesters tweeting that a lot of people echoing that some other officials kind of echoing that with a lot of criticism that closing the loop just sent people to other parts of the city. Meanwhile, yesterday, Lightfoot pledged that the city would help rebuild and support businesses in all parts of the city that were impacted by vandalism and theft. So what can you tell us about that and and the conversations swirling around there? Right. So the entire purpose of the mayor's press conference yesterday was to kind of bat down this criticism that she was only doing things to protect the loop. Um, As we can recall, uh, she ran on an anti-Rahm Emanuel platform saying, we have spent way too much time and money investing in the loop and we need to spend time investing on the city's south and west sides. And after folks saw her lifting the bridges in the loop, calling this curfew into effect and closing down the CTA over the weekend as well, it seemed like the city was doing everything it could to protect downtown. And the natural conclusion that a lot of aldermen came to was that she was doing so at the cost of the south and west sides. So she she held this press conference yesterday to vehemently deny that the city had spared any uh, personnel in protecting the south and west sides and that there were hundreds of arrests. So there were 700 arrests around the city on Sunday compared to about 240 during the protests on Saturday and that she took offense to people criticizing her for this and that a lot of this was kind of drummed up social media criticism. She said the problem was it was everywhere. The looting was everywhere. The violence was everywhere. And it's difficult to get a sustained response like they can have in the loop. And even in the loop, we had complaints that there are 10 cops on this corner and folks looting that business half a block away. There was just too much. But at the same time, she's batting down calls to add to 
the city's law enforcement capacity by bringing in more National Guard troops as well. She's, it's a really delicate balance saying, yes, I do want to protect the downtown. Yes, I do want to protect the neighborhoods. Yes, we do have enough Chicago police. No, we don't need National Guard. We are using plenty of restraint as Chicago police officers. We're respecting a First Amendment right to protest. She's just got a lot of a lot of stuff coming at her. And it's the same thing as like the, the reopening framework. You have public health folks who say, maybe this isn't the right time. We just had thousands and thousands of people in close quarters on the street protesting together, some with masks, some without. Um, We could have another spike again. But at the same time, you have businesses that want to reopen and bring some money in. At the same time, you've got businesses scared to reopen because of protests. There's just... You and I have said a billion times what a difficult job this would be, and we never understand why anyone would want it. This is like an acute representation of why this job is so hard. And I don't, I don't envy her a bit, and I don't think the criticism is going to stop anytime soon because we're going to continue to see the city's response play out to COVID and to protests and to reopening the economy for weeks and months to come, especially if we do get another spike in cases. So Governor Pritzker and Cook County Board President Tony Preckwinkle just today were talking about rebuilding, but in a very, very different tone, in a very different way than Lightfoot said the day before. What can you tell me about that? Yes. So everyone is striking, trying to strike a delicate balance saying, we respect your right to protest. We understand where the anger and the rage and the passion comes from that might be fueling some of the vandalism and theft that's happened over the past few days. But we need to... Number one, listen to the underlying message of these protests. Uh, We can't let looting distract from what that message is. And part of that message is reform of police departments, police accountability, increased transparency. And some of it is economic development in a lot of these areas around the city and state that have been overlooked. So first they said, we see you and hear you. Please stop looting because you are damaging the businesses that took so much work to restart. But at the same time, Pritzker in particular has a difficult task because investment costs money and the state already passed a budget not long ago, feels like a year ago, what was only a few weeks, that relies heavily on federal borrowing in the hopes of further federal help to pay off tons of revenues that the state doesn't have because of the pandemic. So I asked him today, how do you plan on making long-term investments in black and brown communities around the state when the state doesn't really have any money? Um, and he didn't have a ready answer. He said, you know, we need federal help, private businesses to step up, to continue to step up and donate to our small business resiliency funds. But going forward, we need a budget that works to confront structural racism. I think we're going to hear the term structural racism over and over and over again. It's something that Tony Preckwinkle has talked about as long as I've been covering her, probably as long as she's been a political figure dating back to the 80s. Structural racism is the, is the cause of many of the ills that led to so much rage, so many protests, so many thousands of people filling the streets. And we can't move forward without acknowledging and trying to address it going forward. And we need to put the voices of the people who took to the streets at the forefront when we're talking about solutions to those problems. There's a lot here, and I know you've got lots to do and you've got to get back. But if you could, before you run, remind us of what all is involved in phase three, because I think we've been talking about reopening in in so many different terms and what that will look like. What does this Mm -hmm. phase for the city look like in particular? Okay, so this means... Folks trying to reopen can reopen places with limited capacity. So that means child care centers, in-home family child care, office jobs, professional real estate service work, 
We can see outdoor attractions like boating and non-lakefront activities. So the lakefront still is not open. That includes golf courses and that includes the playpen in Lake Michigan. Non-essential retail stores, so stuff that is retail but it's not a grocery store or pharmacy. Uh, restaurants and coffee shops that have outdoor dining. That also includes places um, with you know really big bays of windows. If they can open up all those windows and have tables set within eight feet of those windows, they can seat people there too. And then nail and hair salons, barbershops, and tattoo parlors. So that, like I said, that leaves a few things off the books. We're not seeing anything yet about summer programs, youth activities, church. There's been a lot of talk about what church is going to look like going forward, especially the court battle between Governor Pritzker and groups around the state. That means gyms continue to be closed, but folks can do uh, one-on-one training if it is outdoors. We might see limited capacity outdoor performances again. There's still questions about what Lollapalooza might look like if it does continue and then museums and also the lakefront. Well, we'll hear more about those hopefully in the weeks to come, but basically everywhere you're going to see that is open, it's going to have reduced capacity and a bunch of other protections in place to remind workers and the folks there that they need to be washing their hands, keeping their distance, and wearing a mask. So much going on all at once. Thanks so much, AD. Appreciate you taking the time to chat. Thank you. Coming up, lockdowns and curfews have limited both workers and patients' access to hospitals, and some health systems are limiting services, offering tips on how to clear police and National Guard checkpoints and working with law enforcement agencies to help staff and patients get to their facilities. More on that story and many others right after this. For a daily roundup of stories about how the coronavirus outbreak is impacting business and the economy, sign up for our free newsletter at chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update. All one word. The paywall has been dropped for all coronavirus stories at chicagobusiness.com, but we do encourage you to consider subscribing to support our journalism. And if you receive cranes in print at the office and are missing it while working from home, you can always access the electronic edition anytime at chicagobusiness.com com slash digital edition. Again, that's chicagobusiness.com slash coronavirus update for the free newsletter and chicagobusiness.com slash digital edition. So you don't miss a thing from the print edition while you're working from home. Looking to today's stories, saying Illinois faces a, quote, surge of looting and other criminal activity. Yesterday afternoon, Governor Pritzker said he'd called up an additional 250 National Guard troops to aid local police and brought in an additional 300 state police officers. The governor didn't say exactly where troops and police will go, but indicated they would be deployed outside Chicago, including in downstate communities. Illinois state police officials indicated that Evergreen Park, Joliet, Calumet City, Rockford, and Champaign are among communities that have asked for assistance in that regard. The governor has already sent 375 specially trained National Guard troops to help Chicago police with the central part of the city that was hard hit in violence associated with this weekend's protests. The governor also issued a disaster declaration for nine counties, including Cook, DuPage, Kane, Kendall, Sangamon, and Will, to coordinate state agencies and aid local governments with disaster response and recovery operations. The new law enforcement personnel will assist in crowd control, traffic control, what was described as investigative components, as well as with other tasks. Governor Pritzker also said the vandalism and theft that came out of this weekend's protests is particularly hard for retail businesses that, after many weeks of being shut down for the COVID-19 pandemic, are just beginning to partially reopen. 
We'll dig into this next story a bit deeper in an upcoming episode next time Crane's senior reporter Steve Daniels is the guest, but here's the gist for now. For businesses that were damaged over any of the past few nights, as protests and civil unrest has continued in the city, property insurance policies in most cases will cover inventory loss, repair, and other costs. However, similar to homeowners and businesses in parts of the country that are prone to natural disasters like wildfires and hurricanes, many of the affected business owners are likely to have to pay substantially more in the future for the same protections. A commercial property practice leader for Aon told Cranes that the cost of property insurance for businesses was already going up before the COVID-19 pandemic and before the demonstrations of civil unrest. He also said premiums are increasing 10 to 30 percent on average outside of those factors. And for some businesses that report losses from events of this week, they could see even greater increases when their policies expire and need to be renewed. And he added that even for those businesses that escaped any theft or damage, just the fact that they're located in parts of a city now shown to be prone to this level of widespread theft and vandalism could lead to increases beyond others in the market. This comes, of course, as many Chicago businesses are struggling to cope with deep revenue declines tied to the pandemic. Unlike a lot of other expenses that can be brought down or just temporarily cut, business insurance is kind of an unavoidable one. So as these costs could potentially rise, it would just put even more pressure on businesses to cut somewhere else. But apart from the likely localized effect of all the aforementioned, the industry is also raising prices to absorb losses tied to increasingly severe weather events. Even after the coronavirus pandemic is over, McDonald's franchisees still want to keep a limited menu. Citing faster speed and more profitability, franchisees say they want to trim what they described as a bloated menu with more than 100 individual items. Options like salad, chicken fingers, grilled chicken sandwiches, and some breakfast items were identified as things to ideally cut by multiple franchisees who spoke to Crane saying those items have limited market share, which means, you know, people just don't order them as much, and therefore those items increase drive through time and are hard to prepare with limited workers who are also practicing physical distancing. The Chicago-based fast food company introduced the limited menu in late March and planned to run it for 90 days as several states, including here in Illinois, banned in-person dining. The idea there was to speed up service times. After all, McDonald's gets about 70% of its revenue from drive through sales. But with this modified menu set to expire at the end of this month, franchisees are trying to have a say in what items come back. McDonald's franchisees are also concerned about staffing after the company issued a 59-page guide describing how to properly reopen dining rooms. One Georgia-based franchisee said a limited menu allows fewer workers to prepare the food, letting managers reassign people to clean and handle other safety protocols. The franchisee said that by increasing the menu once again, it would require more staffing and potentially lead to more workers getting sick. However, a permanent reduction in the number of menu items could also impact profitability after the company's same-store sales declined 3.4% during the first quarter. You can see a copy of the public letter sent by the National Owners Association, which is a group of franchisees that represent about 1,300 of McDonald's 1,600 total operators at chicagobusiness.com. In one final story for today, as cities across the country have closed access in and out of downtown areas in response to protests and riots prompted by the death of George Floyd, access to hospitals is also being limited for medical workers as well as patients. Locally, Mayor Lightfoot has restricted access to downtown and the Loop in response to the weekend's events. As a result, the CTA and Metra are not serving those areas, thus making access to Northwestern Memorial Hospital a lot more difficult. Northwestern encouraged budgeting extra time 
time for traveling to appointments and an update to patients about street closures. The hospital also offered visitors information on how to get through checkpoints operated by the CPD and the Illinois National Guard. The system said in the update that patients will need to bring proof of a scheduled visit to show at checkpoints, such as an email or text confirmation. Until tomorrow, that's all for Crane's Daily Gist. Thanks to producer Haima Black, as well as to today's guest, A.D. Quigg. Find the latest breaking business news, analysis, data, and lots more at chicagobusiness.com. And find hashtag Crane's Daily Gist on Twitter and LinkedIn, and let's continue the conversation there about these and other business stories most on your mind. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll meet you right back here tomorrow.